Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, my friend. How are you? Welcome to Catch Up with Louise Makshari. This is the podcast where we try and catch you up on the week from the news. And there's been a lot of it this week to celebs, to just, you know, interesting bits that you might have missed, things that are happening that I think you might, you know, enjoy having in your life. I'm really excited about today's episode, actually. I think it's a solid one. And we've got a great interview uh, coming up. Then we are going to get into celebs. um, And there's some funny stories in there. Um, And of course, because there was so much news, we start with a pretty beefy news section. And fortunately, Carl, I think, did a really good job of breaking down everything that's been going on this week from the budget and to, of course, what's happening in Gaza. Um, oh man, I don't know how your week was. I have been feeling that I feel like I'm carrying that conflict around with me this week, which obviously is nothing compared to the experience of people who are there and, you know, people who have family there and all the rest, but the, it is really horrible, obviously what's been going on, um, and has been horrible for decades, um, and isn't going to not be horrible anytime soon. Um, but I, I, you know, if you've been feeling that too, I guess, just solidarity. I actually had probably one of the worst mental health weeks I've had in a long time. Um, I, on Tuesday, I think I had just this like overwhelming feeling of sadness, um, which also coincided with, and I'm sure was linked to like a complete ADHD paralysis. I just couldn't get started on my work. And fortunately I had my regular therapy appointment um, that day. So I went in and like cried my eyes out for an hour and kind of figured out a little bit what was going on with me. Um, And I left feeling much better and I was able to actually work. But then that turned into like crazy anxiety. Like I have never experienced before in my whole life. Um, And I just couldn't shake it. And I didn't really sleep at all on Tuesday night I think I slept for about two hours and I know sometimes you might say oh I only got about two hours sleep but I really did like it was it was bad um and I felt much better than the next day fortunately and I feel better again today but the reason that I wanted to mention it is because I'm not someone who suffers seriously with my mental health I'm very lucky um and 
you know, it just made me feel very grateful um, for the way that I normally feel um, and, and a huge sympathy for people who really struggle with mental illness and um, people who have anxiety disorders and things like that, because it was such a frightening and horrible place to be. Um, and, you know, hopefully it's a one off and there were lots of different triggers for it. And I understand where it came from um, and I can kind of manage that moving forward but if you're someone who who experiences that on a regular basis I just wanted to say fair play for keeping going and um you know I'm really sorry that that's something that you have to experience as part of your time being a human it's not fair (laughs) it's not fair that some people get to be grand and other people don't um And, you know, I hope that you can find compassion for yourself and that you're getting the health and support that you need um, and that you have caring and loving people around you um, and that you can, yeah, just continue to be kind to yourself because mental health stuff just is so unfair and um, it's okay to feel that way sometimes, I think, uh, just as I felt this week that I am extremely lucky. Anywho, that's all I wanted to bang on about there. Um, Other news from this week, not a huge amount. Um, We had Sam's birthday party, which was fun and chaos. Um, My God, uh, all of those birthday party centers, what a cash machine. They're incredible. I mean, they are run so well, like a well-oiled machine, but the amount of money that must flow in and out of those places. But anyway, Sam had a great time and that's the main thing. Um, Other than that, um, wasn't a massive one for me. Uh, We had my sister's engagement party, which was great. Obviously nice to celebrate her, celebrate some positive stuff going on in the family. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of no major, major news. Um, we do want to flag that there is a new episode, just in case you missed it, if you're part of the Patreon, there's a new mailbag episode that went up this week, which I so enjoyed. Mailbag, basically, you know, when I read out the number where you can send me thoughts and opinions and and corrections and whatever it is that, that you're thinking about in relation to this, or if you just have a question, this week I got a completely random one about what was in my handbag, which is fun. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, the number 089-209-6423. That's 089-209-6423. So I answer all of those and respond to all of those in the mailbag episode every month. And so it really is all about you guys and, and what you contribute. Um, and some really good stuff came in this this month. Really fun stuff. Um, and then also some, some kind of heavy stuff, but that I think was really powerful and I've gotten messages about already today. Um, so if you haven't joined yet, I would love if you came and joined us over there. Um, the link is in the show notes there. And um, it, obviously I really appreciate any support of the work that I do here. It is so helpful. Um, but also I'm just really enjoying the kind of community that's being built there. So that was lovely too. I feel like there was something else I wanted to say. Oh, yes. If you are in or near Limerick, I'm going to be there on Wednesday, the 18th. I'm going to be in Dolan's Warehouse in Limerick. The link is in the show notes. The show is all planned. I'm actually really excited about it. It's going to be slightly different to the ones that I've done previously, but I have a really, really brilliant guest, um, someone who I have so many questions to ask. I think we're going to hear some really, really interesting stuff this week, um, and it's going to be fun. Like I always show you guys a good time, or at least I do my very best. Feedback so far has been good. So if you are in or near Limerick, please do grab a ticket and come and join me. Um, bring a friend doesn't matter if they don't know me or know the kind of show you don't have to be in on the podcast to enjoy these they're not the podcast format um, and have a night out you deserve a night out you could go for dinner first it's on at eight o'clock could go for a drink after and digest everything that you've picked up I would absolutely love to see you there 
Um, so that's that. Okay, enough babbling. It is time to get into it. We are going to start, obviously, with a catch up with the news. And this week, I'm joined by the journal.ie columnist, Carl Kinsla. Carl Kinsla, um, I texted you during the week and I said, well, I'm really glad we got that first one under our belt because this week uh, is a hefty challenge for you to explain the news to us. Um, but before we get into the news, I would just like to acknowledge the wonderful feedback I got from so many listeners who really enjoyed your debut on the podcast. So well done. Yeah, that's so affirming. It's, <laughs> I, I mean, as someone who's often an opinion column writer, I yeah. don't get too much positive feedback. Usually the kind of <laughs> feedback I get is, you know, quasi-threatening uh, emails. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's great to finally have some people who, yeah, because uh, who seem to enjoy hearing from me. The people who don't agree with you don't tend to get, or who do agree with you don't tend to get in touch. So I can completely appreciate that that would be yeah. the, the life you've been living. Well, it's why podcasting is, is a much nicer medium. Yes. The, the, the written word is, is cruel. Yes. I write opinion as well. I write uh, uh, every second week. I write an opinion column for the Indo, um, but it's paywalled. And so I never hear anything. It's amazing. Yeah, you're safe. Yeah, it's truly amazing. Wow. Now the transphobes hate me, um, but that's fine. Uh, I have my Twitter like settings either, yeah. set so intensely high that like I just don't see them. Every once in a while I see like, you know, 150 replies to a tweet and I'm like, oh, you guys just shouting into yeah. the void, you fools. Um, <clears throat> but anyway. Let's get into it because, as I said, we do have a lot of news to talk about. And, of course, we're going to start in the Middle East um, with what's been going on this week in Gaza, in and around Gaza, I suppose. Yeah, it's 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 a daunting challenge to sort of talk about this issue because baked into it is, is so many decades of sort of context. And, mm. you know, it's been sort of a domino effect in terms of this action leads to this action. Yeah. And so, but ultimately, the breaking news from Israel and Palestine is that on Saturday morning, uh, Hamas, which is, you know, an extremist organization that is sort of a, a sort of a government in, in Gaza, um, they launched a surprise offensive. Um, they launched about 50,000 rockets, which, I mean, that's, I think that's nearly as much as they launched in the entirety of the 2014 conflict. Right. Um, and, and that's just in one morning. Mm. And they also, they staged a sort of a grand offensive mm. uh, into the nearby town of Sterot and other kind of neighboring areas. And I think what most people have, you know, anyone who's paid attention knows that there, there was an attack on a music festival, um, yeah. which left, I think, the kind of current estimate is about 260 civilians dead. Yeah, that in, that includes, as we found out in the last 24 hours, that includes a, an Irish Israeli woman by the mm. name of Kim Damty, um, she's 22 years old. So that was sort of the, the starting gun for for what has followed now, obviously, it has the situation has worsened. Um, mm. It's worsened in terms of death count and in terms of conflict. Israel, it, it's been seen within Israel as a huge security failure. The fact that something like this could happen uh, unannounced, you know, Israel is meant to have an absolute like it's it's kind of world renowned for mm. how strong its its military intelligence is. So for something well, like and this it's happen, so highly funded. 
so highly funded. It's so militarized. You know, it's it's honestly hard for people in Gaza to move from one street to another. There are checkpoints all over the area. It's been described by the UN as an open air prison. 2.2 million people in a very small space with very few resources. So it's very controlled. So the fact that something like this could happen under their noses mm. uh, has really sent a shock through the core of Israel's sort of political establishment and their mm. civic society. And it's uh, it's led to enormous repercussions. Uh, water and electricity have been switched off in Gaza. I think, you know, this is obviously an ongoing story. It's very hard to sort of pin down, pin to the wall how many casualties there are at any given moment. Yeah. Um, sort of we're recording this on Thursday morning. It's mm. it's believed to be somewhere in the region of a thousand Palestinian people have already been killed in retaliatory attacks. Mm. That includes civilians. Yeah. Um that is not just limited to Hamas. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have pointed out that the population of Gaza is extremely young. Um, there are lots and lots and lots of children. I think it's like 40% or something. Um, it is. It's somewhere between 40 and 50% yeah. of children. So when you bomb kind of relatively indiscriminately, you're going to kill lots of kids. And that's the reality of what's happening. It's, it is a difficult thing to talk about. <clears throat> Excuse me as you said from the outset, because there is so much history and there's so much emotion involved in this conflict. Um, and I think a lot of people would be vaguely familiar in Ireland with the situation because obviously um, <clears throat> I think Irish people draw a lot of parallels between the situation for the Palestinian people and the, the situations that we have found ourselves as a colonized nation in Ireland. Um, and it's the fallout has been intense online. I think um, a lot of people would have kind of put themselves on one side or another side of this conflict. Um, but the reality is everything that's happened in the last week has been horrendous. Like nobody should be at a music festival and then be killed um, as part of a political conflict. Like that's not something that we should see. And, um, you know, we never want to hear about innocent people being murdered. We never want to see, hear about children being killed, no matter what side of a conflict they're on. But I think a lot of their response has been um, in relation to the fact that there has been a lot of deaths and attacks um, on the people in Gaza that don't get the kind of media coverage that the attack on Israel has gotten over the last few days. And I think that that's what led to some of the early online response from people who are pro-Palestinian. Yes, it's it's right now the sort of climate online in terms of information and access to good information is is not good. Yeah. Um, that's partly to do with sort of the way Twitter has been decimated in the last year. Yeah. It used to be a great source of open source investigations. It was really useful during the breakout of war in Ukraine mm. uh, in early 2022. It no longer serves that function in the same way. So we've yeah. seen a huge proliferation of misinformation. We've seen, and this is, I mean, obviously, I, I suppose I should include like a bit of a, a trigger warning, you know, this is violent and graphic, but there was reports of 40 babies uh, who had been beheaded. This was a report that that did the rounds. It was on the front page of The Independent in the United Kingdom. Mm. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any basis for it. Uh, the Israeli government and the Israeli army have come out and said that they have had no sort of reports matching that, that incident description. Mm. So... I think that kind of hits exactly what you're saying, that you have these actual, well, I mean, there's atrocities on both sides, but, yeah. but there's these atrocities befalling Palestinians right now. Israel are targeting hospitals. They are targeting uh, humanitarian services. Children have been killed. We've seen, I mean, it, it's not that I would ever recommend searching out such things, but if you're on Twitter, you can see 
you know, these video footage of, of people mourning children. You can yeah. see the bodies. It's, it's horrendous. And the thing is, I think if you follow, if you are someone, as many Irish people are, who, you know, follow this conflict, um, that sounds kind of flippant and I don't mean it to, but you will have seen photographs of Palestinian people carrying the bodies of their dead children over and over again. You'll have seen this video footage because it's not uncommon. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people online find it difficult to see, let's say, American celebrities kind of weighing in on this and saying things like context isn't important, context doesn't matter here. Um, you know, this is too horrendous. And like, obviously, yes, it's no one in their right mind would argue I don't think that it's appropriate for innocent people to be murdered at something like a music festival I certainly wouldn't however context is important because this wasn't unprovoked I'm not saying it's right but it didn't come out of nowhere and in order for us to make any kind of progress you know it has to be acknowledged but because America is so pro-Israel politically and always has been I think there are a lot of American people who aren't who don't know about the other side who actually genuinely don't know about the experience of the Palestinians and the way that things work there and therefore we've had this like wealth of celeb of American celebrities putting up Israeli flags and stuff on their social media accounts and and then I, I have heard frustration even from friends of mine just being like, I've unfollowed 25 people today because, you there's, know, there's, there's so much misunderstanding and misinformation. There have been some really egregious examples. Justin Bieber put up a picture and the picture was actually of Gaza. It was of Gaza destroyed, the rubble, you know, the detritus, just the city destroyed after an Israeli airstrike. And the caption that he had on it overlaid, the text overlaid on the image was, uh, I stand with Israel. And it's so it's he's you know, these people are confused. Yeah. They're actually not aware of what's happening. There was another example of Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. who shared a photo of people in terror and she shared it with an Israel flag. So her assumption was that these were Israeli people looking to the skies in terror for fear of airstrikes. But they were actually people from Gaza. Yeah. And once this was pointed out to her, she deleted it. So yeah. it wasn't there's no there's no reciprocity in terms of she's not also standing with the people of Palestine. Yeah, she was horrified <laughs> by it when it looked like yes. photographs of Israeli people. Sorry, my voice is not playing ball. And she was horrified when she thought it was photographs of Israeli people. But when she found out it was photos of Palestinian people, she just deleted it. So there, yeah, it's just I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. And it's, it's exactly why people want to step in when they see sort of very blanket condemnations that seem to uh, exclude, like, I think one of the worst responses has come from um, certain leaders in Europe who have, they immediately jumped to the conclusion that Israel has the right to defend itself. Yeah. And framing it in those terms suggests that we have a good guy and a bad guy. Yeah. And that the bad guy is Palestine en masse and the Palestinian liberation movement. And obviously, yes, Hamas have done terrible things, yeah. but Hamas is not necessarily you don't necessarily equate Hamas with Palestine no. there are millions of Palestinians who just want to live regular free lives yeah. with access to things like water and electricity and uh, education and that's its own struggle and to be um, able to live in their homes without fear of someone just arriving and deciding that it's their home now like yes, I mean that's absolutely. that's the reality of it and it is complicated and it's hard to talk about um but it's important that we do um and and you know it's emotional for people 
um, and I can completely understand why, especially when you involve religion, which obviously for a lot of Jewish people, you know, they feel connected to this conflict on the basis of religion. But it's it's so much bigger than religion. And, and that's the thing. Um, and there's been a lot of use of the, the term like, you know, anti-Semite and anti- anti-Semitism over the last week. Um, but it's really important to differentiate that um, being kind of anti Zionism or anti-Israel even is not necessarily being anti-Jewish like the, it's it's so complex all the nuances are so complex that it is difficult to kind of distill down and um, but I thought it was really important that we did that this week and I think you've actually done a brilliant job Carl so well done <laughs> thanks it is it is extremely it's it's hard to talk about because mm. it is as you say it's emotional it's hard to talk about things like death and things about war and children and to sort of and, you know, particularly yeah, as it involves children and civilians and to sort of put that in its historical context, mm. uh, it's it's very difficult. And uh, we'll probably be doing more of it as the weeks come on, yeah. you know, because it seems unlikely that this is going to be wrapped up in a neat bow. It's it's probably going to no. become even messier uh, in, in the coming weeks. Yes, unfortunately, I think you're right. Um, OK, let's move on, because obviously there was a big uh, political story this week in Ireland, and that is the budget. We mentioned it last week. Um, you gave us some top lines. And, you know, look, everything you said basically came true. Nothing major in this budget, it feels like. No, it's it's a strange one. I actually saw uh, an interesting piece in the Business Post by uh, Daniel McConnell. Daniel McConnell, yeah, uh, and he was saying that you know what's not to like about this budget, which I do think is an interesting. It's uh, like calling someone to... harmless. <laughs> yes, it's you know it's an interesting one, and and to be fair, like activism groups do, they have pointed out that that a lot of the. Uh, increases or like bonuses that come in the budget they just kind of barely keep pace with inflation inflation is slowing down but it is still a factor so with all of these changes you have to take into account sort of what is the actual real increase for people um it's being put at somewhere between 700 euro and 800 euro for the average uh income earner um and that's from the tax band the standard rate tax band having been expanded by 2000 euro Mm. that is it's pretty that actually is pretty significant like that's a pretty big jump yeah um there was also a pretty big jump in like the renter's credit which Mm. you know probably that's for a lot of young people that's uh i I think we talked about this last week we said a lot of people actually aren't claiming it yeah which is you know i i'm not currently renting in ireland but i I remember thinking last year that that was one of the first things ever in a budget that i was actually like oh that sounds useful yeah (laughs) Um, yeah so if you're listening go and claim your renter's credit like that is free money for you um, yeah, I would love, love to have. The, I mean, obviously, you still have to situate that in the context of like rents are way too high. Well, but, yes, I mean, obviously. Still, I mean, it's the not, least you deserve. The credit, you yeah, know? it's yeah, the least you yeah, deserve. Like, but you better go, you like, go and get it. Yeah, hundred percent. Put yourself to the rent. If they, like, if there's a temporary silver lining for even five minutes, go and get it. Like, yeah. Um, God, it's yeah, not even I, a silver lining, though. I can't even say that with a, with like <laughs> yeah. straight face. It's not. It's, it's yeah. It's more like just having an umbrella while it's raining. You know, yeah, it's just like a broken one. Yeah, some form of protection. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, the, the, I know a lot of people were disappointed in terms of childcare. There was a lot of spin around this budget. I know every budget has a lot of spin around it, but there was a lot of like announcements of things that kind of were already there or like, yes, you know, kind of happen. making small changes may look like bigger changes. Um, obviously, the commitment to kind of reducing the cost of childcare was pushed down the road. Like, you know, there were yeah. disappointments as well. That's, uh, yeah, there, uh, there was uh, one thing that I think really bothers people. There was the, the Department of Public Expenditure and Reform Twitter um, 
tweeted like something about the budget and it was in terms of one of the announcements and it was that this was going to enable the opening of several new hospital beds mm. and uh i think uh david cullernan from Sinn fein got onto them immediately and he said this was already built into what we're already spending like this is not a new announcement and they actually deleted the tweet so i think that's it's pretty rare that you get that you see anyone sort of climb down from spin but yeah that, that's an example of it absolutely um, shysters yeah 75 cent uh, increase on cigarette uh, cig- a pack of cigarettes is now 16 1675 i like um, don't really pay attention because i don't smoke i haven't really I been paying attention either, so that much but i've noticed care a lot though <laughs> well i did think when i saw it i was like 16 years like that is so expensive afford i don't know like yeah, honestly I've always that about smoking like i honestly don't when people talk about smoking a pack a day so you're talking like seven times 1675 a week that's like the hundred euro yeah it's wild yeah. and look you know i i do not judge life as hard and like i wish mm. you people didn't smoke because obviously it's absolutely appalling for your health but like you know if, if that's what gets you through the day then then fine but like that that is so expensive it's yeah, wild it's, it's wild and um, they they kicked kind of down the road on the vape yes as well no i saw that vapes. Which is crazy. Like, surely tax that. Yeah, they said, they gave an, uh, kind of, they said that a lot of preparatory work needed to be done for taxing it. Right. So, I don't know, maybe it's it's especially complicated to tax these. Maybe they haven't, they haven't categorized these products yeah. uh, properly yet. Because, um, yeah. I mean, it's quite new. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it seems very funny that they would kick that one down the road. Because I think everyone is, in, I think even people who vape are in favor of, you know, this <laughs> yeah. sort of, you know. Of yeah, like I think, he, yeah, people who vape, I think, are like, I can't believe I'm still getting away with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, this is clearly like, terrible you, for the environment. Bad yeah, for me. Like, still buy them in, like, supermarkets. Exactly. Um, okay, let's move on. Because uh, are you a sports guy, Carl? Actually, I realized when I was putting these together, I was like, maybe Carl's a sports guy. Yeah, I'm. well, I'm it's good we're about to talk about soccer and i am specifically a soccer guy okay i I would have like a passing interest in other sports but definitely i am much this is something that comes up with pub quizzes a lot where my friends will be like oh carl you're good at sports and it's like no i'm specifically good at soccer well Um, in fairness we only really talk about sport in this segment when something interesting happens in women's sport or like if there's a big story that we just can't ignore and this is pretty big the euros are coming to the uk and ireland that is the european football what is it football championship yeah yeah we just we in the biz just call them the euros okay yeah so it's a big (laughs) tournament anyway yeah yeah and it's coming to the uk and ireland and uh dublin is going to be the the irish leg of it but there's a question mark over whether ireland will actually get to play in the tournament (laughs) right yeah there is so typically with the euros the host nations qualify automatically like that's the same for the world cup and the euros and it's going to be different this time because there's five host nations also and the four uh the four uh uk nations so it's they're only putting two spots on the line so only two of those five countries will qualify automatically it's still pretty good news for us because if the other teams go through the usual qualification process which is like you have like a kind of a group that takes place over two years and you play games against whoever, Greece, Wales, etc. Mm. Um, you play all those games and any of the teams that qualify it through the natural way, through mm. that group system, they'll, they're not included in that two out of five. So England will almost, England always qualify. Um, mm. So England will probably qualify. And then you have a situation where Scotland might qualify. Scotland are kind of decent these days. Northern Ireland are terrible. They're not going to qualify. Yeah. Um, Wales. And Wales might. So if we have a situation where Scotland and England qualify, then it comes down to the sort of best placed 
other host nations mm. so that could be us and wales so yeah i would fancy our chances this time and okay. i would be i would typically be a pessimist when it comes to the fate of the irish football team okay. but in this specific instance i would say it's i don't know if i'd go so far as to say like like technically likely it's a more than a 50 percent chance of <laughs> okay or never maybe, let it be maybe. said that carlos um exaggerates <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or is overly yeah, optimistic would, about things yeah i'd put it at like a solid 60 percent chance but it's good though like i i think yeah it's it'd it's, be great crack like, yeah it's it's all of our games will be played in the aviva all of our group games which mm. would just be huge it's one of those things that like even five years down the line you can see us making a mess of in terms of public transport in yeah. terms of hotels in terms of infrastructure like you can see us making a balls of this a yeah. million miles away and what but fun we'll have talking about it oh yeah absolutely <laughs> like it'll be such a such a and it'll be exciting you know you yeah. have all the whoever we have in our groups we'll have those tourists in the town yeah and, i'm mad for it yeah it's i mean it's still it's funny it's five years down the line but it's it's a good thing to look forward to yeah and um, and then before i let you go uh just if we need to be relatively brief but i just George Santos. <laughs> this this so story is that. wild. Yeah. Um, so for people who don't know, who is George Santos? George Santos is a congressman from New York. He was he was elected in the most recent round of like uh, of Congress, congressional elections in, in the US. And he is facing just like over a dozen criminal charges for various lies and frauds that he has perpetrated over the years. He has, you know, when he was running for office, he was stealing from his donors. He was using the, you know, the money he was being donated to his campaign. He was using that money to just buy nice clothes and go on holidays. Those are like the least of his lies. Those lies at least make sense because the, he's like gaining something from them. Yeah. But he has he has also lied about being Jewish. There's like no, it's like super unclear as to whether he's actually Jewish. He has implied that his mother died in 9-11 which is not true. His mother died five years ago um, and official records show that she was not in the United States on September 11th, 2001. She was in Brazil, which is where she is from. Um, so this guy was elected. You'd think that like given all these lies and crazy, crazy things that this man does, yeah. that you'd be like, how did this man get elected? Yeah. And it's, it's sort of not clear. It just seems like the Democrats didn't run someone very strong against him and he just sort of got in by default and now he's just in there just voting on laws day after day while he's under investigation he's been charged with these very serious crimes he faces decades in prison if I, he's found guilty i so. think though the thing is like you've got the former president of the united states of america also facing facing charges of fraud so like you know <laughs> yeah. that's just what they do now it seems like i mean i know that's... politicians have been called criminals for decades but like they're really putting their money where their mouth is in america at the moment yeah like this guy george santos he is he is the best and he seems to really lean into it like he used the death of of senator diane feinstein who died a couple of weeks ago yeah. she's about 90 a veteran senator she passed away and he used that as an opportunity to hard launch his secret husband like he had had a husband waiting in the wings the whole time he had never mentioned it before when diane feinstein died he just went on twitter and he was like me and my husband who i've never mentioned until now uh, would like to pay our respects to Diane Feinstein, and it was—he just seems to—he really seems to like the pageantry. Yeah, he, <laughs> it's and the Republicans don't like him. By the way, the Republicans ignore him. They have not, you know, sort of—he's not like part of their platform. You know, they don't want him to be 
you know, out in front of the news cameras. Okay, so they're like, he doesn't even go here. (laughs) Yeah, they're just sort of like, you know, what has happened? And I I think it's it's probably not going to last much longer you know based on but like i say he loves the pageantry so it's possible that he it's possible that he's a bit of a what's the name of that woman who was in the netflix documentary she was a scammer it was like anna something oh anna delvey yeah yeah i think maybe that's (laughs) what this guy is going for he wants like a netflix documentary about his and to be fair it's a pretty good it's a pretty impressive scam to scam your way into the united states truly can you imagine though if you are uh, like a decent republican and they do exist like someone who just (laughs) has like you know genuinely believes in the republican party or whatever but is reasonable (laughs) how difficult the last 10 years has been for you (laughs) yeah i think for me it's like you have to have given up by now honestly change teams yeah if you're a person of any moral standing honestly had to have like looked for the door truly what i can't stop thinking about is like imagine if we had a td who was pulling a george santos i would actually i would love it i mean that's kind of the dream we would get them out though wouldn't we we i mean there are processes for that surely i think it's the process of like removing a TD is extremely difficult. Um, oh, actually, yeah. I'm thinking of examples now and realizing that that's true. Yeah, I think there's like, because I, I we've faced similar things with MEPs as well. I know yeah. there's no way to recall MEPs. I'm honestly not sure there is a way to recall a TD. Let me just bash it into Google right now. Can you recall a TD? So you basically just have to, as a politician, you just have to cover up all of your, not saying obviously that every politician has a nefarious <laughs> past, but if you can just cover up your nefarious past or your, your crimes to get in, then you'll be grand. And you'll probably yeah. get a good pension at the end of it, even if you don't get reelected. This is, I'm look, there's only, there's actually only two ways to um, kind of get rid of a TD, like as, you know, allowed for in the constitution. One is if they go bankrupt. Okay. And the other is if they are sentenced to a prison term exceeding six months. Okay. So they can get six months and still be a TD. Yeah. So you can get like five months, 29 days <laughs> and you, on, on day, you know, 180, you'd be back oh. out and you'd be a TD again. Wow. What a system. Yeah. Um, okay, Carl, thank you so, so much. Um, Carl, where can people find your work? Um, so I write a weekly column for the journal.ie called Surrealing in the Years, which is a little bit like this. I look at the kind of weirder stories or just the stories of the week and we look at them through, through kind of a, a weird angle. Um, you know, because I mean, there's a lot of strange stuff that goes on in Ireland and I think we take a lot of it for granted. So it sort of shines a spotlight on the stranger more unique uh, elements of, of Irish culture. Um, Sorry, the sun is just like aggressively shining on me. <laughs> That's why I'm... <laughs> oh no, I, can, I, can, I was worried it. you thought I was gesticulating at you. I'm not. I'm just trying to uh, protect my, my delicate face. Um, well, Carl, thank you so much. We will talk to you again next week. Um, it was a tough one to do this week and I think you did great, kid. <laughs> thank you very much. And yeah, hopefully, um, I mean, I suppose hopefully the violence is, uh, you know it yeah. decreases as opposed to increases wouldn't it be nice it wouldn't, it wouldn't be, it be nice, nice. Yeah. we can dream thanks um, carl thanks louise PJ Kirby and Kevin Toomey are two guys from Cork who came into my life a couple of years ago via their podcast, I'm Grandmom, um, which they started when they were both living in London. And now PJ's back in Ireland. Uh, Kevin is in London, but they are still together, joined at the hip. I see them together so often. Kevin must be really racking up those Ryanair airlines. Their latest piece of work is the I'm Grand Manual. Love what they've done there. Uh, And it's a stunning guide to taking life in your stride. You will hear me gush in this conversation about this book and I am being genuinely 
sincere. Like I absolutely loved it. I am not a young gay man, and which is I think kind of who they were thinking of when they were writing this, but it is so entertaining. So many funny stories from their life. Just their entire like voice and tone is so entertaining and you'll get that in this chat. I love these guys. They are so funny. They've created something really beautiful and I I don't even have to say I hope you enjoy this chat. I just know that you will. Okay, uh, PJ and Kevin, I could not be happier to have you here in my home. Welcome to my humble abode. It is such a treat to be chatting to you in a professional capacity because of course you're authors now. I know and I'm upset also, I'm loving that we get a sneak peek into the gaff. Oh, it's no, chaos. the gaff is gorgeous. No, it's gorgeous. It's organized chaos, and I hate going into show homes. Oh yeah. well, no They're danger of that people. here. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we are authors. You are correct. We have written a book. Yes, I'm thrilled for you, and we will obviously so get on to the book. But um, before we get on to the book, I want the origin story. I realized, uh, you know, before reading the book, it's obviously there's some of that in there. Mm-hmm. But like, tell the people how did PJ and Kevin become PJ and Kevin? Well, we. We met on Grinder first. We were meant to be hooking up in Merchant's Key Shopping Centre. So this is all fake news. I was actually Kevin's dance teacher. So he was Kevin, not also... Did I not teach you a dance class? Sinead Murphy could be coming to this. I went because you didn't have great numbers and I wanted I to fill up actually, the room. So Kevin was lost, right? He was in university. He didn't know what to do with his life. I was teaching a hip-hop dance class to the Hip-Hop Society. Of course you were. Kevin wanted to brush up on some hip-hop dance moves because he was just doing jazz. I had been dancing for many years prior. I had a great dancing, solid not well, technical. Dancing. No, I show me your arm lines, because <laughs> I will show you my technical training. It, we call it Fort de in dancing. <laughs> anyway, this is your fourth interview, so we're killing each other. I'm joking. Uh, no, but basically, he <laughs> came to easy. he came to my dance class, um, and I didn't know him, but I knew he was gay, and I was in the closet. How and did I you goes, know? I didn't um, know. I, was I gay. could just we were dancing to Rihanna. Cockiness, mm. and you could just see it in the way he moved his <laughs> hips. Um, and so was, you weren't out yet. I wasn't out yet, but I and I but knew, knew. I knew I could see it in him because I, I wasn't saw, out yet either. Yeah, so I could see me in him, and I was like terrified. And how long ago was this? We were twenty. I want to say thirteen. Twenty thirteen. Okay, so, so we, ten eleven years, years ago. ago. We were like nineteen, were we? Well, it was the year after I did the leave and start like because I was so, in UCC. Okay, yeah. so eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, 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 18, yeah, 18 yeah, yeah. years old. And um, oh then we God. became friends and like we were like friends, but weren't like best friends. You know yeah. what I mean? And then um, PJ I'm, had a bit of a front up you know, because <laughs> yeah. he saw He's so like much that, of himself he? in me, I which was very confronting for him, you know, <laughs> um, and because I was a bit more comfortable in um, my femininity and my effeminate qualities, PJ I had a tough time dealing with that. <laughs> Did you? No. Um, <laughs> I was just busy. I was getting ready to move to London. And then yeah, Kevin, like, I did think Kevin was hilarious. And I got him to MC like, a fundraiser thing I did before I left. I did, like, a dance showcase. Yeah. Then we went to Lo- I went to London. And then Kevin was, like, so inspired by me. He dropped out of university and followed his dreams of becoming a dancer. He went to London. He went to Essex. And then when... So we kept in contact. So, and- sorry, you were dancing too? Yeah. Kevin went to Music Theatre College for three years. I did not know this. Yeah. It's because I wasn't on Ireland DM talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because he wasn't in any music videos. Okay, okay. But I, so I, when I graduated, I went and I worked on a cruise ship of Royal Caribbean for six months before I moved back to London. That's when we started the podcast. Okay. So, P, so I'm a bit more musical theatre yeah. as opposed to 
What would you say? <laughs> but we, um, you we stayed in contact when we both moved to but were you, um, London. When you started the podcast, were you best pals at that stage? Yeah, or yeah. did you just see well, a talent in each other? No, we were I best think pals. We were right? best pals. It was, yeah. you know what? When I had graduated, it, like, obviously, when I was like studying for three years, there was like a safety in that. Mm. And then you graduate and you're expected to go and find yourself a job in this, like, it's scary. really mad industry right yeah. and on top of that i was like i was in essex and i was moving into central london so it was a huge change over me yeah so the fact that i had pj in london already there and set up and you know he knew what the story was yeah and you were you were still dancing you were going like taking classes and stuff the weekend but he also had like a decent job and stuff at the time so i met him and i was like oh this is great because stability i felt like comfort. i was getting a, a, a leg up on london already yeah. you know what i mean by being with him and we yeah. started like reconnecting and like t- like we realized that we have like so much in common we have the same sense of humor we having such a laugh together it was the gay night so we started really? we started we started going out together to like queer clubs you, for the PJ first time didn't have that many gay friends i didn't have that many yeah. gay friends so when, when we went out we were going to like london's coolest like queer nights in East London. The like Dalston Superstore. Cool. Yeah. 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 Like, there was, like, there was yeah. a club called Dollar Baby. Dollar Baby. And we used to love going. They had a hot tub on the top floor. And I oh, remember one time. Excuse me. We were in the hot tub. We were in the hot tub. No, fellas. they were Italian. What? What we were Italian. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Apologies to the. I'm not a hygiene girly, but like. We should have been in this. There was definitely yeah. more than There was a stripper pole that went to the second story. And one of the first nights we went in. Um, Aquaria jumped from the second story onto the stripper pole and then down into the splits and we were like this is camp this is London you oh know? well I mean what could possibly be better than yeah. that like oh my I God. mean that's it was you and, and it was something it was like we talked about it in the book it's like um, I just felt so safe with Kevin like and I felt like I could talk to him about stuff that like I wasn't talking to other people because like my childhood mm-hmm. best friends are like the best but they're all straight yeah so like it was so nice to have someone that like got it like yeah. there was a lot of things I could talk to him about that I didn't have to explain because yeah, it just understood yeah and it sounds like you were kind of on the same rhythm of life Absolutely. as well like exactly. if you both hadn't come out when you met then you obviously went through all mm-hmm. that stuff together mm. that makes total sense and um, so then why the podcast uh, kevin was like do you want to start a podcast and i was like what's that because <laughs> i didn't know what it was and um, i think you were on one before and then you were like oh, i had done a podcast yeah I? you yeah, did which one- is no longer still going <laughs> i definitely one- saw the idea and i was like i could do this but do it better <laughs> and then he came over and i didn't know what it was and then he explained what it was and we want to do something together so we said we were like I, we were mad to like do something creative together that wasn't like going to an audition and getting cut like yeah. just because of like the way we looked or like that we weren't the right height for the job we want to be like let's do a creative thing together that like we can own and um, so we were going to do a club night a queer club night an irish themed one in london did you then, have a name uh what was no back then we didn't actually have a name did we we wanted to do gay lee basically right but since then i think that name's been taken by other queer crowds (laughs) yeah Um, which we're not happy about but we do have a new better name in the pipeline so watch this space girlies no the only reason i ask is because i have never actually started a club night but i have come up with so many really i was always good at the names and then i was just like oh but it's a lot of work it's so much work isn't it frantically voice known to me the other night being like i have the name for our Club nights, and he said it, and I was like, mm. and I wasn't we, expecting we to a, love it, but then you one. loved it. Yeah. Oh. When you dropped the first word, yeah, I know, but still, that could still be in the running. We'll I was thinking after. of, yeah, I was thinking of spin off nights. We just said on a podcast before, and someone else took it. So, well, this pro- no, no, yeah. I, I respect that. But basically, we realized quickly that if we started a club night, no one would come because no one knew us, yeah. And um, so, we were like, what could we do that's more manageable? And then the podcast started. Oh, we love talking. And how many years ago is that now? Started in 2019. 
So okay, we're at so it four years. Yeah, like. nearly five years. Wow. Yeah, we joke all the time, and it's, there is definitely a truth to it that like we kind of started doing podcasts when not that many people were doing it. Yeah. So I'm always like, so if we started it now, would as many people listen? I don't know. You know what I mean? But that doesn't matter because you started it when you started exactly. it. Yeah, and like, exactly. And and you've kept at it. I think that's the thing. Like the starting it is one thing. Like it's very not easy to be gung ho about something mm-hmm. that's new and exciting. But to yeah. keep going is is really something. And you've built an incredible audience. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and we love it them is all. mad. Sometimes yeah. we, I think, it's so easy when it's just the two of us sitting down. You know yourself, and <laughs> sometimes you're not even sitting down with someone. But we are. We just kind of crack on doing the same thing, and then yeah, I do get jealous. Yeah. like people we, like you yeah. guys it is, uh, it is later one, for like events that, yeah, that we can yeah. go with each other and but even just like you know if I'm doing a live show I have to book yeah. guests and um, I just also think there's a lot to be said for doing something with your pal you know yeah, absolutely it's, it's so it's so lovely and like sometimes we don't forget but like we sometimes it hits us again so like we went away and did our own things for a bit there at the start of the year and then we both came on stage one day for the Opera House um, live podcast yeah. podcast festival and we came off and we were like oh my god I forgot how like not what? easy but just how it flows when yeah. it's just the, yeah, two, of the two of us on stage and you don't really have to like do as much prep because you know the other one we, yeah. we built up this trust with each other so like I yeah. can probably finish a sentence Kevin's going to say on stage you know that yeah, kind of way yeah you're a great fit so it's, yeah, so, it's, it's so it works fun. really well yeah. we've um, we're very fortunate that like the way we bounce off each other yeah so you're not allowed to ever have a fight in Spotlight <laughs> oh no we fight no, all the time we're going to have a proper fight when, when the view when, when the, the views drop. trail off okay excellent yeah. and PR. then we're gonna have you know the the episode where we you know the comeback yes. yeah and we do like a really dramatic teaser where it's yes. like dum, dum. and like I'm getting out of the car and I'm like I don't know what he's gonna if say. you wanted you could do, be the conciliator you could be you oh know, my god I would, I would love that and yeah. I'd be really good at it yeah. so I believe please it. Yeah. Um, write that down in your uh, <laughs> were you silent or were you silenced yes exactly <laughs> yeah. but, but I would come up with something even okay brilliant <laughs> okay so then where did the book come from Book Gill <laughs> Publications. <laughs> okay, so they came to you and they said, Do you want to write a book? Yeah, a couple of publishers actually approached us. Not surprised. Yes. Um so then we pin them against each other. No, we didn't. Um we were just we, we um, That's what I did. That's how it works. No, but we were, we talked to a few, but then nothing really materialized. But then we when we started talking to Gill, it kind of came to fruition. I think it? we were hoodwinked actually, because sometimes in the past when 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 we've been approached about a book, we we've always been quite busy. Like yeah. there's one thing we're yeah. very fortunate with like since we started the podcast we're always doing other bits you know Um, so then in your head it feels like a massive undertaking so you're a bit hesitant to agree to do a book because you don't really know what you're signing yourself up for if you haven't written one before now I know everything that's involved because I wrote a book Um, (laughs) but we were kind of told initially that it was just going to be like a series of interviews kind of ghostwriter sitch which I thought was kind of glamour I had visions of me like getting dressed up for the ghostwriter and kind of sitting down (laughs) with a um, a margarita in 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 a short glass no salt in the rim if you're making me one and it turned out that it wasn't like that at all that we (laughs) just started writing basically we kind of we we did up like uh, a few bits and we were saying them on and then the response like from the outside was really good and they were like actually how do you feel about just doing it yourselves because your own tone of voice is fairly unique and I'm so glad that you did because it does read like you guys like when I when I got it the minute I opened it up I wanted to start reading it because I'm such a fan of you guys and it does feel like you're kind of in the room with you Mm -hmm. um, which is really special Mm. how did you I know 
like I'm friends with Emer McLeish and Sarah Breen and they always get asked like how did you do it did you take turns did you take yeah. chapters how did you do it did how you get did together it? it kind of like um, we didn't really know how we were going to tackle it no. but then once we started going it just kind of like everything we do together we just kind of worked out as we went along yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we were we played around with like someone writing a chapter and then like so Kevin would write a chapter and I'd jump in in like the marginalia and like be mm. like ha ha that's funny or like yeah. you're always like that and then we thought it was a bit like forced mm. so then we were like okay why don't we do because as well we grew up in the same city and like obviously we're both queer and we went to London and stuff like that but we have we're very different as people yeah. like and I think that's why the podcast works is because we're like yeah. a yin yeah. and yang like we're different people so now we take like we just took the same topic and then we were like why don't you start this chapter or I'll finish it and then we yeah. sw- swap for the next one and then yeah. we just kind of ran with that yeah it was yeah. the thing that we kind of figured it out as we went yeah and sometimes like we'll say like for the the chapter on fashion mm. I remember being like who's going to want to hear my chapter on fashion when PJ's you know this style icon on Dublin winning awards <laughs> you know what I mean and being I mentioned on lists so and I remember just being like this is the, like maybe I might just let PJ write this chapter by himself and then I read it and I was like like his approach to things like that is so different to mine and then I was you know a lot of this stuff is like anecdotal like yeah. from our childhood and that stuff and I was trying to think back of you know I mentioned how seeing like Graham Norton in like um a gorgeous like bejeweled blazer on telly yeah. on a Friday night felt so special to me growing up so I talk, talked about like influences of that so yeah. like that's like our approach to things yeah, is well, kind of different that's the thing is that it's not just it's not like I kind of thought based on chatting to you guys yeah I thought it would be more I thought it would be different oh, really? I didn't think I'd get so many great stories oh, okay. from you guys. like it okay. is so wildly entertaining I just want to read a tiny bit because it is from this styling and self-expression chapter which I just loved because <laughs> you're talking about um, the articles of clothing that were gay Um, so this says uh, it wasn't the first time I'd learned that a certain item of clothing was in fact gay Porg once stopped me stopped wearing a pair of suede puma shoes his mom bought him uh, in Lanzarote because he was told they were gay another boy in my class was forced to get signed out of school early on a non-uniform day because he had chosen to wear tracksuit pants that had popper buttons up the side which were obviously gay brackets poppers (laughs) the American retailer Gap experienced an unprecedented drop in sales in Ireland when the early in the early millennium when a mastermind acronym analyzer in our school came to the dramatic realization that the brand in fact stood for gay and proud how are we so dumb like all it's so entertaining you guys it is so entertaining and like when you were telling me about it because it is obviously called the i'm grant manual and i think it will be great for like young queer people to read but like so many more people will enjoy this book who do you want to read it everybody yeah i <laughs> know but like i was saying we were saying it'd be, it's really good for the queer community but then it's also like i know like my mom's friends will enjoy reading this you yeah know? or like their husbands when they're not looking will pick it up and have a laugh off it as well yeah. you know what i mean because yeah, there's so many nods to like things that are so like inherently irish I in was there just as say well that, yeah. Yeah. and cork i had a bit of gwelg in there as well oh. a few words for my uh the gwelg gores how many words the there's a, i say at least five words i squared <laughs> in the book <laughs> So I do like to think like even like my brother wouldn't be a huge reader and he'd be very yeah. selective about what books he'd be reading and he'd be into sports and he you know Roy Keane he read his autobiography and stuff like that. <laughs> That's like the one book most men in Ireland have read. Yeah, yeah. Roy Keane let's get that. But I'd say like I feel like he'd read this book you know because yeah. he listens to the podcast and stuff and like even though we do it's a lot of the girlies listening and a lot of the gays and days of Ireland but also the there, are lad- <laughs> there are lads listening to us as well who just find us funny and like the idea that they might pick it up and you know they mightn't take some advice for themselves but it just to help see them or 
just to help them see the world a bit diff- more yeah, different. Yeah, to see someone else's perspective. See someone else's perspective. That's what life is about, really. And as well, I know it's, 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 like, it's like we're like mutants or something. I'm like, we're actually not that different. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's been like, look, if you, like, if you read this, we both went to school. We both, do you know what I yeah. mean? That thing, and that thing, like all the stories of like growing up and like the slaggings you got in the school and yeah. like that's, like that's universal, that's universal. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. totally. You know I mean? so, Completely. Yeah. No, it is, it is so entertaining. Um, do you think things are different for queer teens now compared to when you were teenagers which is not that long ago like mm-hmm. it's what 12 13 years yeah. ago i think i think it is like obviously there's a lot of things have gotten worse for them actually but like um in some respects going backwards but like i think for us we were like we were so we were we felt so ashamed of our sexualities mm-hmm. when we were growing up to the point like that was actually one of the things that me and Kevin got really close with each other over when we first moved to London mm-hmm. we both read Straight Jacket by Matthew Todd mm-hmm. and we were like literally just talking about like we didn't realise how much shame we carried around for just being who we were yeah. Um, yeah. so I think we had to work through that a lot and I always say it, it, it is weird because it's like we were born in 1993 um, showing our age um, but that was the year like homosexuality was decriminalised in Ireland we talk about in the book like it was decriminalised but people in Blarney Street and down in Douglas and Cork weren't hanging pride flags out the window you know our parents were still petrified and if you came out as gay it wasn't like they were worried for you they were worried yeah Yeah. yeah, do you know what I mean so Mm. I just think we carried around this like it was a bad thing for for us whereas I think now there was a lot more positive representation and that's why I think the book is so important that like young queer people will have it yeah and so I do think if for that respect it's it's better that there's more representation around. Yeah. Absolutely. And obviously there's shows like, you know, Heartstopper now and things like that, which yeah. we never had growing yeah. up. And it would have been, now I, <laughs> I still enjoy it at my ripe old age of 30. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, things like that, that would have made such a massive difference to us probably mm-hmm. growing up. You know, not to say also that it's not still hard because even in my own family, like I did have this, we're, we're a family of gays. We are actually, um, we, you prove that you're born we, gay. I don't want to say we prove you that do. it's a gene. You, and right? you need to be studied. But th- th- they should look into my family because it's gay after gay after yeah. gay. Wow. So, yeah. But I always it's had that going on. You. you know, when I was like 15 or something, I was at my uncle's civil ceremony with his partner, Philip, and like, you know, we weren't like, oh God, now we must go to the gay wedding. Oh, yeah. you know, but it was a very much like Part of a joyous life. celebration yeah. like every other wedding should be. Um so I did have that as well growing mm-hmm. up. So I, and, and I do like to think that, like, you know, that there are young people who, who are definitely finding it easier. But isn't it funny that even though that's what you grew up with, yeah. you still had that shame. Yeah. Yeah. It was just in the air, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It really was. And just, like, I do think it's, it's obviously getting better, but then it's also getting harder for some, some parts of the um, community because yeah. it's like the far right is getting so loud at the moment like mm. so it's obviously for us we're just two white gays like so like yeah. we're obviously quite privileged but whereas like if you're like in the middle of fucking like, Ireland and you're trans for example like yeah. you're like that's still like very much a struggle you know yeah. so I'm, we, I don't want to like generalise the whole yeah, of course queer yeah. community it's now being even. like um, it's getting better no well know? I was going to say um, I think it's great that at the end of the book you have um, a section LGBTQ plus resources and being a better ally where you kind of acknowledge some of the challenges that mm. the community still face and you write I think beautifully about the challenges that the trans community face um, and I love that you do that because as you say like you know as a community they have to be supported mm-hmm. and the idea that like their struggle is not the struggle of the entire community is is just it's wrong ridiculous. yeah also we added that in i think because like 
we don't want people to think that we're coming in. It's not a, it's not a Bible. It's yeah. not, we're not coming in preaching being like, this is how you be queer. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, follow us along. You know, this, this, is, how you, this, is, how yeah, this is how you get indoctrinated into the community. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not that. It's like literally just our experience and yeah. like you take from what you will, but like we don't have all the answers. So that's why you put that at the yeah. end. Yeah. But also the section on allyship, I think is really good um, because, you know, I actually did a panel at... Um, Summer. Oh my god! All together now. Sorry, <laughs> I did so many festivals this summer. Yeah. So many amazing festivals. Very happy to do <laughs> Thank them. Thank you so much. Hope to do more yeah. next summer. Um, but all to add all together now, I, d- I was involved in this really great panel that was actually produced by my friend Vicky. So I can't really take any of the credit. I just asked the questions. But it was about allyship, and um, it was really interesting to hear from like the Louise Bruton was there, and she has a disability, and then there was uh, someone from queer a- Asian queer Ireland. I'm probably getting that wrong, um, and uh. Ruan Okridon who's trans and they were all talking about their experience yeah. of allyship mm-hmm. and some of the ways that people just get it so wrong yeah. and you can be really well-meaning and still get it wrong yeah. so I think it's great to put a bit of guidance in there yeah you know and I, I mean, do think like you don't want to scare someone off to trying to be an ally like as long as their intention is like yeah. there yeah. Good, but just a little guidance here and there and also Kevin has to write in everything don't touch the drag queen so he just needed <laughs> to get that in the book so that's just what that's going to go on my tombstone that's going to go on yeah, yeah. So what, what's Kevin's final words as he goes into the floor it's going to yeah. be don't touch the drag queen yeah and, I, and you know what I respect that right? <laughs> absolutely yeah. Yeah. but you'd be surprised how many people actually would and now it's also one of my favourite things to watch on um, on like Twitter or like YouTube is like if if someone goes up on stage when a drag queen is performing yeah. oh, girl, no. you've made a mistake sit back just leave yeah. the leave yeah. the premises please <laughs> um, the book is dedicated to both of your dads mm. um, tell me a little bit about that I, I think we both like obviously um, we both suffered a loss like I lost my dad 10 years ago it's his 10 year anniversary this year um, and Kevin's one was obviously a lot more recent yeah. Um, so when we were writing it we just thought it'd be nice to dedicate it to them yeah um because we're at different stages of grief obviously like yeah. i'm i can talk about my dad way more openly and like in like uh in, in like like way more frequently yeah. and it's grand for me Easily, but yeah. the one thing the one thing i kind of struggle with is like and i think this is just like what anyone struggles with when they lose somebody and time passes is that like he never saw anything where I like where I got to I was like a baby when he passed like I was 20 mm. years old I just moved to London mm. and he never saw any of the achievements I've done like mm. he's never saw the podcast he never saw our tours he never saw where, yeah. anywhere we went so it, with this book I just wanted to dedicate to him and I literally was like he supported me even when he didn't really understand what I was doing like he yeah. didn't get why I was going to London he didn't even get why I was going to dance college and I would have just loved for him to see where they went so that's why I wanted to dedicate yeah, it to it's him it's really beautiful yeah and I know I saw some of the messages that you posted about your dad and how supportive he was of you so yeah I'm so it's just kind of acknowledging that really and yeah. just it, I think the, the fact that we were we're podcasters is still a bit of an enigma for like I have some of my mum's brothers and sisters who are in their 70s coming to the launch now um, tonight and tomorrow night in in Cork and Dublin and it's the first time that I've seen them properly excited about something because yeah, you know they get it. the book is something <laughs> they get and they're like <laughs> it's physical like they, they can hold it in yeah, their yeah, 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 yeah. and they've yeah. never been like oh my nephew the podcaster was like my nephew's an author yeah. so I think it would have been even though my dad was very proud of everything yeah. I did as well I think the book would have been extra special yeah. for him as well yeah. it would have been something because he was um, a salesman so he used to like kind of travel around the country yeah. and like pop into different shops I, f- I could see him going in with copies of the book you yeah. know what I mean so, <laughs> rearranging the bookshop <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah doing that exactly All so that yeah it felt really nice to 
to dedicate the the books. I just felt, and it was it's 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 weird. I suppose in a way, like PJ said, like we both have a very similar story. We both like lost our dads like at young, young ages, ages, right? Yeah. So the fact that like we both have that dedication to them in yeah. there as well, and I think it's just so important to speak about it as well. Like how much our dads did support us yeah. because you know there's no roadmap I suppose for parents either especially when their kids come out as queer and again like our parents mightn't have gotten it right every time or they always mightn't have had the right answers yeah but you know they still showed us like unwavering unconditional like love and support and it, that's kind yeah. of all that matters yeah, yeah you exactly. know so like yeah if, if, if you know what it's probably I know <laughs> I wrote reams inside that book with no matter what our count is but it's probably one of my favourite bits is having that little dedication to our yeah. dads front, at the front yeah. it feels yeah. really nice I nearly had a nervous breakdown because <laughs> I, initially I'd gave him the wrong year of birth for my dad <laughs> And I remember when we were doing like one of the final rounds of amends, I was like, I should, <laughs> I should take that. <laughs> and it was like going into print that day. And I gave him the wrong year. How I many don't years know how. Off by? I was just off by the one oh, year. Oh, grand. Because I was yeah. doing age from too much. Like. No, then, but you no. It, and it yeah. wouldn't have been that big a deal, but you would have killed yourself. I, I wouldn't yeah, have been yeah. able to. Yeah. I wouldn't have this yeah. interview right now with you. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I wouldn't yeah. have been able to. You would have been partying. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been, you know, keeping it from my man. Yeah. Maybe a final trick he was playing on you. You don't know. Maybe that. Yeah. Exactly. Well, guys, thank you so much. I love the book. I actually haven't completely finished it yet, but I'm very much looking forward to it. It is just, it's a real joy. And I hope that loads of people read it. And I really think that no matter who you are, what your background is, you will absolutely laugh reading this book. And you'll probably learn a thing or two as well. And I love you guys. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. We're always big fans. Well, the feeling is so mutual. And PJ and Kevin, thank you so much. Thanks, Louise. Thanks. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Babe. The 
celebs, they just never stop celebbing. And thankfully, we are here to fill you in on what they're at every week. Holly Willoughby left this morning. Victoria Beckham sent champagne to someone you may be surprised to hear when she announced her separation from her husband. We've got celebrity AI chatbots and something that gave me the absolute ick this week about someone who I already had the ick about. Um, We have lots to get through. And thankfully, I'm joined by the wonderful Cassie Delaney this week. Cassia Delaney in my home. Actually, every bit of this podcast this week has been recorded in my home. And what a lovely home it is, Louise. It's very welcoming. Thank you very much. I've never not had fun in this house. Oh, well, Mm. that could change very quickly. (laughs) But actually, PJ and Kevin said that. I'm always like, it's chaos. It is chaos. But yeah, it's certainly not a show home. There's never, never a chance of that. Um, Well, we are here to talk about celebrities. And actually, it's like a relatively quiet week. But there was one bombshell. um, Life. Which was reported (laughs) in such a bizarre way. And that is, of course, Holly Willoughby leaving this morning. Yes, so... I mean, this morning has been no stranger to drama this year, obviously, with Philip's departure and everything else that's gone around on around the show. You know, a couple of months ago, we were wondering whether Holly would be able to recover from Phil's departure, whether it would be the same vibe. Um, but this week, she has announced that she will not be returning to this morning after 14 years on mm. the show. Um, so there's rumours that like she never really recovered. But obviously there was this massive story there last week that a 36 year old man was arrested after plotting to kidnap and murder her. So she hasn't actually been on air since last Thursday and he was charged with that alleged plot of kidnap and murder. So like that's really terrifying. I actually couldn't fully take that in when I was reading this stuff. I was like because it was like Holly Willoughby quits this morning amidst kidnap and murder plot. And I was like what? Yes. That's wild. It kind of came out and there was a lot of talk about this because um, it was one of those people were sort of divided about it because the man in question you know people were saying he's not capable of kidnap and murder. But even the threat of violence is something you have to take very, very seriously. Yeah. Very scary. But I think it's just indicative of how much... And you can pay a, people to do that. I mean, that's just, I've heard. True, that you, you can. can. Yeah. You can. I'm sure we know people who know people. <sighs> but yeah, even the threat of violence here, I think, is so extreme that she just, it probably just got under her skin a little bit. Um, so, you know, in her statement said that she she's, it's been an honor to be part of the story. And I know the story has many chapters left. Sadly, however, I now feel I have to make the decision for me and my family. You know, she's got young kids. She wants to look after herself. She wants to protect the fam. I like, I would do the same. But also, I mean, she has been through it. Like, if you Absolutely. look at it. You know, obviously we don't know the ins and outs, but if you look at it just from a black and white perspective, we know that Holly and Phil were best friends. Yeah. We know that they had a great laugh doing that show every single Mm -hmm. day. We know that they were the nation's sweethearts. Exactly. We know that it ended bitterly. They had uh, had a rough year with all the Queen stuff and the skip in the queue and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then it ended really bitterly, not just their professional relationship, but their friendship as well, which is a hard thing to process. And then to keep doing the job when your friend isn't there every day. Yeah. Like that would be difficult. So I'm not surprised she's like, do you know what? Really difficult. And even when the story broke of Philip and um, his entanglement with a younger intern, everyone looked to her to excuse his behavior. So like she was really the focus point there and people being like, she should have known or she definitely knew and she didn't do anything about it. And it was just a classic case of like, 
the woman being responsible for the man's behavior. And she said in a statement at the time that she really did not know that he had lied Mm. to her also repeatedly over the years about it and that she was as shocked as anyone. So I think it like it really. Yeah, she really took a turn in the public's eye, I think. And like recovering from that and then with this threat of violence and everything else, just the job just didn't seem worth it anymore, I'm sure. No, and you're right, because, I mean, I think people's perspective on her did turn. Because remember when she came back for the first episode after mm. the whole Philip thing and she did the... Are you first okay? Of all, are you okay? <laughs> no, that was a weird move. It was weird. It was a very strange move. <laughs> but I kind of feel like people were just ready to, like, no matter what she did, they were ready to paints yeah I mean like every show has its peaks and troughs and every you know everything is temporary in media anyway you're the in one day you're out the next and I think this was just like a massive turning point for her this year will be interesting to see what she does next yeah I was just gonna say that because um her husband is like an extremely successful man extremely successful tv producer mm. developer he has the talent agency which was all mixed up oh, in yeah. the um philip holly drama so like i would imagine that financially she probably doesn't have to work if he's willing to yeah i mean kind of support her so she can take her time and choose i would yeah, think to do whatever she, she wants she still does dancing with the stars dancing on ice oh right yeah yeah so it's i don't know it remains to be seen whether she will maybe continue she will with that dancing on ice for itv yeah so she'll probably continue with that but i don't know like if if it is a case where she genuinely feels like her safety is at risk and she wants to remove herself from the public eye. I personally think that she'll team up with Fern Cotton and they'll do another podcast because Fern's obviously turned to podcasts and mm. has had great success with Happy Place and it's a lovely little thing and they do the lives and all that kind mm. of stuff. So maybe that little bestie friendship will, they'll work together they again. Emerge. Mm. Um, if I were her, I think I would keep doing Dancing with the Dancing, dancing Strictly on, Come Dancing is Strictly on called? Strictly on Ice Strictly on Ice <laughs> Oh that's the show That no, she does Oh yeah it's Tess Who does the other one So I would probably Just keep doing Strictly Come Dancing on Ice <laughs> Or whatever it's called <laughs> And then And I would just Like enjoy my life Drop the kids off at school And go for a nice lunch Yeah like, Absolutely I mean not? Given the Not get up at Two o'clock in the morning Or whatever yeah, time If she there was ever with. an option To work or not work I'm going to choose not work I love working, but I just don't want to do it all the time. Yeah. I would do the kind of, I would do the kind of work, like I really like what I do, obviously, but I would do the kind of work where I just have to turn up and do the actual work and none of the setup. Just the talking bit. Yes, just the talking bit. I would do the research. I don't mind doing the research, Mm. the reading, like all that stuff, fine, but I don't want to do any other communication. I never want to deal with an email. Oh my God, no emails and no wires. Yes, there's no so, wires, many so, wires so many wires in these jobs. So many wires. No carrying around a massive bag of equipment. Oh, so I, I someday, I believe that I will someday get there and mm. I believe that you will someday get there too. And um, can we just mention um, the fact that the Holly Willoughby story broke obviously in the middle of, I mean, every, every story that broke this week broke in the middle of what was going on in Gaza. But um, Sky News... <laughs> This is bizarre. It's so weird. Dystopian. Sky News had a man on the ground in Jerusalem doing the news from Jerusalem, mm. as happens when there are major news events. And he had to report the breaking news that Holly Willoughby... Would not return. ...was leaving from this morning, literally in it, with Jerusalem in the background as he was talking about Gaza. Like, it was so strange. So dystopian. 
but this is the this is the world we live in i mean look i mean this podcast hello we started the podcast talking about gaza and now we're talking about holly willoughby like obviously these, these things do exist in the same sphere balance but it just looked so jarring to have them both right up against each other like yeah that. and that will be that will live on the internet forever forever yeah forever okay next uh victoria beckham i love that she is having a moment I love this. I haven't watched the doc yet. I haven't either. I really want to. I okay. just haven't had time. I really want to. But like my heart melts for that clip of them dancing to Islands in the Stream. Have you seen that? I've been honestly, I've been trying to avoid. I obviously haven't avoided the clip of him telling her to tell the truth about being middle class, yeah. which I so enjoyed. Um, but I, I've been trying to avoid the other clips because I just want to watch it fresh. There is a gorgeous little clip of them dancing together and it made me both happy and sad. Happy because they seem really happy and sad because I really thought my 30s would enjoy, it would involve more line dancing and like really <laughs> confronting that it doesn't. Well, did you see on TikTok, apparently line dancing is like having a massive resurgence. Is it? And people are doing line dancing, not just to country music. Like they're no, that's doing I'm it not to interested like in country music. music. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I'm going to find a line. If there's anybody out there who runs a line dancing night, Hit me up because I am huge in New York at the moment, according to TikTok, which free, as we all know is never wrong. Free and available for all line dancing activities. Yeah, I just really thought that it would it would involve like nineties <laughs> moms led us to believe that line dancing was just par for the course of your mid thirties. Anyway, aside from line dancing, Kerry Katona has revealed that Victoria Beckham checked in on her and sent her a bottle of champagne after her big public split from Brian McFadden. So um, I just love that. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I can see how this happened because Kerry was recalling how Victoria was there for her during the tough time and called her from Spain where she was living at the time to offer her support. So oh, I presumably am, that's when David was playing football in Spain. Yes. Yeah. So I actually imagine that Victoria is lying out by a pool, a couple of cocktails in herself and picks up her phone and sends her a bottle of champagne. Flicking through the yeah. sun. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, she's got the little reflector there and she's like, how will I help my oh, pal Harry? I love it so, so much. So yeah, I think that image in my head of Victoria Beckham beside the pool sending her the champagne is so glam. Um, in, my, in my mind, she's got one of those long cigarettes <laughs> as well. Um, um, so yeah, Kerry was writing about it this week and said it's so great to see Victoria and David are speaking out and giving an insight to their lives with this new Netflix documentary. And mm. um, she said they're really genuine people and it makes people like them more and more. Uh, so she was writing about it in the, her column with New Magazine. Yeah. Which is great. And it has like from the clips I've seen and the response to the documentary, people are saying that they're so, so likable. I yeah. always thought they were really likable. Well, this is the thing. I think that some people have a totally like incorrect perception of who Victoria Beckham is mm. because obviously she's known for her pout and, and she is so successful in the world of beauty and fashion, yeah. high-end luxury designer stuff. So like, I think she has this, some people have this image of her of being kind of slightly miserable, hoity-toity, maybe like an Anna Winter type, mm. but she has such an amazing sense of humor and as a lifelong, well, not lifelong, I, they didn't exist when I was born, but like as a very big fan of the Spice Girls, I knew this. Yeah. And if you can get your hands on coming to America, Victoria Beckham's uh, like reality series from 2007, I highly recommend it because it is like a fly on the wall reality series, but she's also kind of playing a character almost. Mm. She is messing constantly. She is so funny and acerbic and smart. And I feel like that's coming across in this documentary and loads of people are surprised by it. Yeah. But the real ones know that she, that's always that's I've always thought she was like that as well. Yeah. Mm. It's I don't know wonderful. where you can watch Coming to America. I don't know if it's easily available, but I, you'd find it somewhere. The sleuths will find it. And wait, wait, it wait, 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 wait. 
Victoria Beckham's show was called Coming to America and the documentary is called Beckham Coming to America? No, surely not. No, sorry. Jeez, for a moment there, I was like, that would be a real full circle moment. Mm. Anyway, yeah, if you can get your hands on it, highly recommend. Um, very entertaining. She is gas. Um, okay, next up, this is a story out of 1984 or something. Um, it is about celebrity AI chatbots. Um, Kendall Jenner was the one that kind of got my attention this week. But yes, what's this the story? Is so bizarre. So Meta have unveiled um, AI assistant features. So FKA Facebook, as I like to call them. Mm. <laughs> what a fall from Grace Meta have, have had just in general. Anyway, we'll I wish tech companies would learn. Just don't change your name. Or you could just you could just stop. Like you can just stop <laughs> doing things. Yes. Um so in another pivot, they have unveiled kind of this like AI system to rival ChatGPT. And a um, part of that is that they have these chatbots which you can chat to for advice, for sport, whatever. But instead of just like, I know, being fucking normal about it, they have <laughs> paid celebrities massive, massive amount of money for their likeness. So one of the chatbots is called Billy and that is based on Kendall Jenner's likeness. And so the chatbot is supposed to be a big sister and gives users advice. Now, I know and everybody knows that the average age of a Facebook user is 65. So like <laughs> the idea of Kendall Jenner being a big sister to my granny is gas. But um like Tom Brady plays Brew, a chatbot for debating sports. So they brought on different creators like Mr. Beast, um, who people know from YouTube and Charlie D'Amelio. So it's just it's just mad. So they're being paid like upwards of five million. And the inside report is saying it's about six hours work. But obviously the fee is for their likeness. Um, so the fee is basically like a license to use their image and their I suppose, reputation in perpetuity to be able to facilitate these weird chatbot things. I don't know. I don't like them. I don't want them. But then if there were the ABBA ones, maybe I would speak to them. It's maybe this, the selection of celebrities they've used just aren't my bag. Yeah. But it's also just very, very strange. And it, it brings about a lot of questions because obviously AI and chatbots are informed by these LLMs. And that's makes all the information that we feed them to find patterns and give us back the advice and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So if they're based on Kendall Jenner and Mr. Beast and stuff, are they taking, is the LLM their personality and their writings and their all their thoughts? I don't know, but what's weird about it as well is that um, presumably they researched it and they found that people respond better to faces that they already know and that, you know... I mean, I don't know how much money Meta is investing in their research, because if we went back a year ago, they were super heavily investing in the metaverse with the people with no legs. Yeah. And then they kind of tanked that and have pivoted again. Mm. Um, I think they think they need, need to accept that Meta or Facebook or whatever you want to call it is just the place where people go now to buy secondhand desks. And I don't want to talk to Kendall Jenner, robot, no, or Billy. I don't either. However, as we've been discussing this, I've I've had a troubling realization and um, lots of people are still posting on Facebook <laughs> I am not one of those people I I'm do. not either but I just opened it up and like you know people I actually know in real life like people the same age as me are are posting um worrying I suppose we are we are <laughs> aging 
<laughs> well, I was just going to say that. That's not like, exactly we're not Gen y- Z. We're not like. young. Like. <laughs> I think I'm an elder millennial. I think that's the category I fall into. Like, but I like, just gravitate to Marketplace now to see the bargains. I literally never open this page. I've got, tw- well, I've got 20 plus notifications. God knows what's what's going on there. Yeah. But, um, Would you like a sofa bed? <clears throat> I mean, yes. Um, yeah, look. <laughs> A lot of bargains to be had here. A free washing machine. Sorry. Okay, I'm getting off Facebook now. Or I be. (laughs) Like the hours I spent on Facebook in my youth. Um, Okay, next. I just, we don't need to spend long on this, but I just couldn't believe the visceral reaction I had to this story um, (laughs) about Prince William. Now, I am going to have to step in and defend Prince William here. I know you said this gives you the ick and you already had the ick. Poor Prince William said in an interview um, that he, you know, they're talking, him and Kate were talking about cooking their dinner. Conversation came up about a curry and he said he can't take a spicy curry. This man is a ginger. I'm half ginger. I can't take a spicy curry. I think it's something to do with the DNA. Like I can't do it. I'm going to, I'm going to defend him here and just tell him to have a korma. God love him. Can't do spice. No, but here's the thing. Like I love a korma and Mm. I don't have a problem with people not wanting spice. And look, let's be honest. The ick is not like you can't logic it away because it's not logical. It's just a response that you have. But they're on BBC. I think what I find weird about this, they're on BBC Radio 1. It's all part of World Mental Health Day, which happened this week. And um, so they're chatting to the like, you know, young, hip Radio 1 presenters and... um, uh it came up and and they're like it sounds like the word playful is described in the way they're talking to each other <laughs> which really it? troubles me kate says are you cooking and he says no i think it'll probably be a curry won't it tonight and she said so you're looking to me and then he said it depends on what time we get back and then kate says yeah probably will be a curry or a teriyaki salmon something like that she's not cooking do we think no, she's cooking she is not cooking, cooking. never they've and never no. ever cooked and then the presenters asked them if they like their curry spicy or mild and then william confessed i can't do much spice i start sweating it's not attractive um and then kate said i like the spice so i have to sort of cook the curry and then add the spice extra spice at the end um, and then William says he Kate has to bring it in gently otherwise he gets too sweaty he keeps saying sweaty and like it's he not does. a nice sight and it's just like ugh. it's also just the idea of Kate cooking dinner which I just don't believe she's doing but if she is cooking dinner and then being like there's William's mild portion like he's a child I or something I think at the very most they're doing M&S ready meals like they seem like they're the kind of people who can do their big shop in M&S which obviously is the dream it is the dream I also do we think that they're like now, this is literally just speculation. And obviously, we know nothing. And they're never going to listen to this. So I feel comfortable doing this. But like, do. do we think that they're actually like in love with each other still? Oh, no. No, I don't I think mean, so I mean, I think that's me projecting. And being like, why would you fancy this man? <laughs> <laughs> like, he looks like a thumb. I know he's very wealthy. But they're also, they've got so many other problems. Um, I think it's the, it's, it was the Harry and Meghan documentary that turned me off. Like, I didn't have an issue with him until then. And then all that stuff really turned me on him. Yeah, and there's been I so can't. many reports of infidelity. And like, I mean, I know you can't believe everything you read. But I just think she's too good for him, basically. Yeah, I, I think it was a decision that they made. A nice little partnership. I don't think that there's, um, I think they probably have separate rooms now they've said it. <laughs> Separate rooms for Prince. I think that's entirely possible. And Kate. Oh my God, you know who I met last week? I met someone who was the chef uh, for Fergie and Andrew. (gasps) Yeah. No way. And like lived with them and stuff. 
and she said that Fergie was amazing um like so lovely and like really mm. like fun and stuff but then when they split up Fergie moved out and she stayed on in the house but that whatever way the there wasn't room for her basically in the staff quarters so she was like living in a bedroom on the same corridors as Prince uh, am I saying the right prince it was Prince, prince Andrew, right? Andrew and Fergie I'm not that's I'm not a royalist let's be honest which one was it no not Josh Duhamel that's the other Fergie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Prince Andrew, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, and she was like living in a bedroom down the hall from him. Now, obviously, it's a massive place, and like she's not bumping into him in the jacks. But how wild would that be? I mean, did she? She obviously is probably DNA or like NDA up to the gills. I didn't. It wasn't really appropriate for me to ask for dirt, so I didn't. But she said she had a great time. It was a great job for her when she was when she was young. Um. Very okay. Good. Glad and then to hear it. finally, uh, just in Fifty Cent news, I know we like to stay abreast of his movements. He continues to be sound. This is so sweet, yeah. So he sponsored an under-14s football team in Cardiff, female football team as well, which we love to see. Um, so this came about because one of the people working with him on his tour, Richie Brown, is a parent of one of the players of the girls on the team. And he went up and he just asked him whether he would sponsor the uh, under-14s and under-17s girls team at the Cardiff club. And he expected the answer to be a big no. And instead, 50 Cent turned around and said, yeah. So now he's like the sponsor of this this cool little um, teen team. And I love it. And he seems to have done it just out of goodness and not because like Ryan Reynolds, who did it for a, for a TV show, um, which is a really great turnaround because... Like seven years ago, this man was $22 million in debt. I know, but he's really come back. He's really come back. Really, really come back. Fofty, as we know, anyone who watches Vanderpump Rules uh, knows him as Fofty. Um, and I, what I love is that these girls have G-Unit 50 cents on the back of their tracksuits. <laughs> I wonder does he go to the games or does he keep like abreast of what's happening and yeah. like how they're doing it's that so is gas. or whether they've they I mean presumably he's gone to meet them at least once I guess like that is just so cool 50 it is cents so sponsoring cool. your team like could you imagine but how much do we think it is to sponsor an under 14 or under 17 team like what like five grand maybe Pins. like uh, to I'm him sure if we like pooled our resources we could also buy we should we should actually sponsor Knockline United's female football team. I would love to sponsor a female football team. That's Let's a make great that idea. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it will be Knockline United. Sorry. That's our roots, Louise. You can't turn away. I know from it's our roots, line. but Sam is a member of Dingle United here in Cabra. Okay, so, fair you know. enough, Fred. I support it. Um, anyway, we can talk about that off mic. Uh, Cassie Delaney, what a joy it has been. Um, we will talk again soon. Thank you, Louise. Now that is just about it from me. Uh, not a huge amount of recommendations this week, although I will say I have been watching and really enjoying Big Brother, which is back. It's being produced by ITV this time, but we can see it on Virgin Media Television. And um, I think they've really done well. They've put together a very diverse group of people from lots of different backgrounds. I think it's going to co- develop into a really brilliant series. And I'm just enjoying having it like to watch every night it feels very autumny and lovely even though I know the OG Big Brother was in the summertime um it's on at I think nine o'clock every night or six days a week or something like that so there's only been a few days so far so you could absolutely binge it over the weekend if you wanted and get into it and um, I would recommend it as I said I'm certainly enjoying 
other than that, that that's kind of it. I'm sorry. I haven't been <laughs> I haven't been consuming a lot this week. It's been super hectic, not a lot of free time to um enjoy content. Um although if you looked at my TikTok hours, that would make me out to be a total liar. But hey, look, I mean, I'm trying, okay? I'm trying to, I'm trying to cut back on TikTok. I actually am. I I was confronted with how much time I'm spending on it the other day and it was truly alarming. Um, I've got to pull back. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm doing my best. That's all we can do. Um, Speaking of doing your best, I hope you have a good week. Um, But as I always say, they can't always be good. And if you don't have a great one, that's okay. Just keep going. Put one foot in front of the other. Thank you so much to Acast. Thank you so much to all of my wonderful contributors. And I will talk to you next Friday. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.